السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ پیس اینڈ بلیسنگز آف اللہ بی اپن یو یور جوائننگ آس ونس اگین آن دا وائس آف اسلام ڈرائیو ٹائم شو ود مائی سیلف نوشیر وان رشید اینڈ عمران اکرم ایز مائی کو پرزینٹر عمران ہاؤ آر یو ٹوڈے آل پریز ٹو بلانگ ٹو اللہ دی المائٹ الحمد للہ ان دی نیم آف اللہ دا موسٹ گریشیس اوور مرسیفل آئی تھنک آئی میٹ یو آفٹر لائک کوئٹ اے فیو ایئرس Uh, so just for the for the audience uh, we used to study in Jamia Ahmadiyya UK which is the uh, you know university of uh, you know a religious university which can where the missionaries are being prepared so mm-hmm. i saw you like maybe uh, two years ago before um, but i used to you know i used yeah, to we did you. have interactions yeah, yeah definitely uh, and uh, uh, but definitely i i listen to your uh, news and i must <laughs> say that uh, quite interesting <laughs> and uh, yeah i'm glad to see you again yeah, and very uh, glad to i'm looking forward to presenting with you today and uh, for future shows whenever we do get the opportunity but anyways imran we've got very two interesting topics to discuss today um what uh, the first hour will be discussing um, parenting yeah. what role does it play in children's mental health and in the second hour we're discussing about uh, you know social media and uh, um uh, you know social media and uh, you know half of the british teenagers uh, they feel addicted to social media so we'll be discussing in the second hour about uh, why you know uh, british teenagers or all around the world why they are uh, you know so much addicted to social media what are the causes and what are the ups and downs and uh, also we'll be discussing about the solution that we'll be having experts as well on the on the call yeah definitely and yeah let's dr- dive straight in uh, to the first topic of parenting what role does it play in children's mental health and of course this is interactive live show mm-hmm. if you want to get involved you can send us a message or call us in on the studio at 0208-687-7878 or drop us a message on our social media handles at voice of islam uk So you know uh, mm-hmm. our listeners must be aware that is the second day of children's mental health yeah. awareness week and during the first hour we've mentioned we'll be discussing how parenting can affect a child's mental well-being mm-hmm. of course a very interesting and essential topic for, for those that potentially are going to become parents or are parents already and it's very important particularly because raising children is essentially a lifelong process you cannot say that it starts at the time of the birth of the child but just preparing yourself even before before becoming a parent definitely i think if we look towards uh, islam you know um, islam teaches us that when a new child is born uh, you should uh, give azan which is called to prayer uh, in her or his uh, you know uh, right ear and uh, if you tra- read the translation of azan call to prayer it's literally is that allah is great allah is great and uh, there is none worthy of worship except allah and the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him is messenger so this gives us the message that islam you know uh, uh, teaches us that we should be prepared and we should uh, we should you know uh, start you know uh, giving him the 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 moral conduct of the life and you know from very early age and also before birth you know um, the parents especially mother are uh, recommended to do prayer for the good offspring and righteous offspring yep yep uh, you're right and uh, islam's te- islam's teachings are of course uh, we will present throughout our show Definitely. um teachings of islam and what islam says regarding mm-hmm. parenthood uh, raising your children um and to be honest it's imran it starts mm-hmm. with parents belief and their value system um, and how they instill those same values and principles and the teachings of islam within their children mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. and what they stand on is very important and what they stand for is also uh, very important and it continues in various ways as long as they have children um and it is an amazing process to gain 
a humbling awareness of one's shortcoming. And it's also a profound opportunity mm-hmm. of self-improvement for the parents themselves. Uh, because obviously at the beginning, um, you are kind of unaware of the challenges that mm-hmm. you have to face. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a series of progression. Of course, myself, I'm not currently <laughs> a, a parent yet. And likewise, Same, yourself yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, God willing, mm-hmm. when we do, um, we'll obviously understand the realistic uh, aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have obviously Islam's teaching and we have yeah. ta- uh, prayers taught by um, that are taught in the Holy Quran. Yeah. So th- the prayer is from uh, chapter 25, verse 75. Allah the Almighty says uh, and teaches to the Muslims and believers that they should be asking uh, and they should be praying um, before uh, they have children and after as well. So Allah the Almighty says that uh, teaches us that our Lord grant us of our spouses and children the delight of our eyes and make us a model uh, for uh, for the righteous. Uh, you know, for the for the righteous. Now, I think this this word uh, it's very important. Which as translated as make us a model uh, for the righteous, uh, which shows us that if we have to teach our children good moral and if we want to bring them uh, up in a good, very healthy environment, then we should be a role model uh, for for our for our you know um, children. Because children, if you look uh, towards children, they are great mimic. Whatever you're doing, uh, they are copying their parents, basically. Yep. And exactly. I have a, you know, uh, uh, I have a four-year-old niece. And um, uh, on one occasion, we're all, you know, doing dua. And, you know, dua is a prayer when we raise our hand and we're doing uh, dua at the end of, you know, uh, a program. So uh, someone was making a video. So um, when I was uh, afterward, I was um, watching uh, that video and basically um, everyone was doing, you know, prayer and raising their hand and doing dua. And she looked to everyone else and then she looked towards uh, towards her mother. And when she saw that her mother also is praying as well, she raised his hand and start praying. So that shows that, you know, the, the children, they look towards their parents and, uh, and elders. So this is why Allah the Almighty teaches us this prayer and tells us that you should be a role model for your children. And this is the best way to, 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 to teach them good moral and how you're going to, you know, affect uh, them in their in their life. Yeah, in fact, it's a really beautiful prayer, mm. and obviously, as myself, I try to incorporate this prayer mm. in my daily life um, because it, it's one of those that um, that are going to help us. And it shouldn't be the case that um, you should recite this prayer um, as a, as a Muslim before getting married or even after having kids. It should, it should be a prayer that you should recite constantly Definitely. throughout your life. Yeah. So, um, like yeah. you mentioned, mm. Mm. Uh, parents. A great example of great uh, training for your children is becoming a model. Yeah. And um, as our um, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community of the Promised Messiah, a peace and blessings Allah be upon him, Hazrat Mizam Masur Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, he has emphasized on many occasions mm. and many of his addresses that parents should set a good example. In similar way, reiterating the, the, this uh, verse, that parents should become a model for their children. And like you mentioned, the example of your niece, I've seen similar examples mm. on, on tubes and trains mm. or even buses where a mother is uh, on the train and she's reading a book. And I've seen the child, her child, probably at the age of four or five or six, somewhere around there, would also be mim- mimicking and reading a book on the journey. Mm. Rather than uh, obviously just engaging in uh, playing with toys, etc. So they do look up to their parents. They do consider them as their role model because that's what they're going to pick up their early habits from, right? 
Yep. Um, we were, um, you know, uh, early on we were discussing that you know Islam teaches us that you should be prepared and they should you should teach your children the good values and good moral from very early age. Now, according to Biomed Central, the journey to parenthood has a flexible timeline, according uh, starting before birth or uh, up to twelve uh, months after. Many parents feel, you know, uh, unprepared for both the practical aspect and the uh, personal changes of uh, parenthood. And now definitely, you know, uh, I've seen <coughs> the new father and mothers, they quite struggle after their first kid, but on the, in the second kid or second child, they get used to it. But definitely, it's I think it's a life-changing, um, uh, life-changing, I would say, event in, in one's life. So... Um, as they adjust to this new uh, reality, new parents, uh, you know, benefit greatly from a support system. Early parent-child relationships are crucial as they influence a child's emotional development, shaping their sense of self and uh, future relationship. Parents must be attuned and uh, resp- responsive to their baby's need, including, you know, hunger, uh, illness, and the needs for uh, closeness and affection. Now, from as early as birth until about six weeks, a b- baby doesn't really appear to show um, an attachment to any specific uh, caregiver. However, parents who provide a nurturing environment and are uh, responsive to their baby's need- needs can lay the foundation for uh, secure attachments uh, to form. Yeah. So definitely, I think in early age, um, you know, um, I've seen, unfortunately, that some mother they start doing jobs uh, from very early age uh, in my uh, i know my one personal case uh, where a mother uh, was doing uh, uh, work after just one month one month after the birth so i think islam and also science also support decided that that, that especially uh, the one the first two or three years the mother should focus on the uh, child upbringing and instilling in with him the good morals. Yeah, definitely, that's right, Imran. And you know, as the child grows um, into toddler, hmm. and of course it's early early years, parenting is of course a paramount importance because it kind of lays the foundation for the child's um, mm-hmm. socio-emotional and cognitive development uh, because obviously they learn their early steps, etc., and the early foundation they receive is within the, the first uh, year or two. So we should and parents should also remember that most habits are easier to adopt and cultivate in the early years however bad habits developed earlier are very difficult to get rid of mm-hmm. especially once they've picked up a bad habit um it's hard to get rid of because of course something that starts initially is is, is difficult and as it is said that well begun is half done it is important to nurture good behavior in our children or in your children from the very beginning. So, of course, there's also positive parenting practices, which also include warmth, responsiveness, and consistent discipline. Consistent discipline is very important mm-hmm. um, because, of course, as as Muslims, we are instructed to pray five times a day. And I, I believe that if, if a parent is offering their five daily prayers in front of the child, not necessarily all of them has to be in front of the child, but then your child would also pick up that habit from an early age because they are seeing their parents 
offering their five although they may not know the importance or significance of it but at least from that age they'll start mimicking and they'll, they'll know that their parents give importance to prayers or even reading the holy quran hmm. um, which is the book of uh, muslims which they are instructed to read you know that that's why that's remind me one of the hadith of saying of the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him he said that you know encourage your children uh, to do uh, to do the, the prayer to say prayer at the age of 7 and uh, you know that just shows that this, you know the early on you put the more effort it is better for the ch- uh, child's uh, uh, i would say upbringing and uh, parents should be a role model as we, as we previously talked about so it is very crucial i think you mentioned a very good point and uh, uh, apart from that you know um, uh, it is very important that uh, you know um, the toddler stage you know uh, typically sp- spanning from age 1 to 3 is characterized by rapid growth and explore, uh, exploration so we should remember that most habits are easier to adopt and cultivate in early 3 uh, years so they are definitely is very important yeah and also um, you know playing a important role in fostering a toddler's emotional resilience is very important uh, as a, as a positive parenting practices as well as uh, the mental well-being as well and a secure attachment formed through sensitive caregiving it contributes Imran, um, mm-hmm. very deeply to a child's sense of safety and self-worth also and positively impacting on their emotional development right from the early ages but mm-hmm. on the contrary inconsistent or harsh parenting may lead to heightened stress levels in toddlers Uh, which potentially manifests it in behavioral issues and emotional challenges uh, and of course that also starts from the uh, beginning as well mm-hmm. and early experiences during the stage can significantly shape a child's ability to kind of regulate their emotions and cope with uh, stresses mm-hmm. laying the groundwork for their mental health throughout life so therefore it's very important that fostering a supportive and nurturing environment um during toddler is crucial for promoting positive mel- mental health outcomes in children um of course this is kind of we're talking about the early stages of when a child is born and and how they are developed into <clears throat> when mm. they gr- obviously growing and developing and of picking up the senses yeah. um and what parenting what part of parenting uh, ex- uh, kind of helps them in various things and of course we will be talking to our guest and um we have with our first guest uh, Faiza Mirza uh, who is a mother of three teenagers holds the dual roles of executive producer for the Drive Time show at the Voice of Islam radio itself mm-hmm. and she is also the president of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Women's Association in Gillingham uh, with that brief introduction i would like to welcome uh, Faiza Mirza to our show and uh, assalamu alaikum peace and blessings be upon you and thank you for joining us today Welcome Salam, thank you for having me. Um yes, yeah, so today we obviously we're talking about parenting and as a mother yourself um we would have we're great to have you on our show. So the first question I would like to ask is adolescence uh, often comes with increased uh, exposure to societal pressures and of course peer influences. So how do you integrate Islamic values into your parenting to help guide your teenagers through these challenges and promote their mental well-being? Okay, disclaimer alert. I am not a great parent. <laughs> and you can ask my kids that. They'll be like, "Oh no." And I don't think anyone has nailed parenting yet because it is hard. And we say, "Oh, it'll get easier when they grow up." It doesn't get easier when they grow up. It just gets harder and harder. That 
physical stress of that running around them, looking after them, and then the mental stress. It's hard because you have to be mentally available to them because as you're talking about Children's uh, Mental Health Week, it is, it is yeah. rough out there for kids, especially with kids who have a dual identity of living in the West and being Muslim and holding on to faith because we live in a very secular society. So we live in a society that's like, go do what you want. There's no repercussions. There's no consequences. You do you. And then at the same time, we're being told, they're being told, oh, but, you know, if you're bad, you know, there's hell and there's these things and Mm. you're going to... So it's really, really difficult. It's a difficult dynamic. So how do you be there for them? I mean, you hear the phrase, oh, be their friend. And although I agree to it, I mean, that's the guidance that the caliph gives them. The way he's saying it to us is not that we be their friend and let them do what they want, because that's what friends do, but be their friend as in you're open to them. And I think one of the most beautiful guidances that the caliph has given is that we need to be available to discuss all topics, because nothing is barred in schools, nothing is barred in the way children speak to their friends. Yeah, especially these days. So so before all this, you've mentioned it's very difficult, it's difficult throughout your life. What is the Mm. most difficult aspect of parenting? Oh, what's the most difficult? <laughs> when when they're small, it's the light, it's the nightless, uh, the sleepless nights. I'm sure that gets better throughout the throughout the years, right? Yeah, then it's getting them up in the morning. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's that I think every child will try to push their boundaries. The hormones will rage, and they will want to rebel. And and I think if parents expect their child to be perfect picture perfect then that's an injustice from them yeah. because they've gone through childhood you've gone through adolescence you know you used to get angry with your parents it wasn't right but we did <laughs> so we've all been there so, so to suddenly think that oh just because i've grown up and i've matured that my child shouldn't do that they will do that and you need to have a bit of understanding right with but with them realizing and i think one of the biggest things that really helps because like parenting like I said it's so hard and it takes a village it genuinely takes a village and one of the things about being part of the Amadou Muslim community is that we have so many programs and things from birth where you can get kids involved so you know if there's a an event we take our kids along with us so it becomes a fabric of their lives that they're going to mosque to classes to events they're meeting uncle and auntie in the mosque and they become and they become this we have this big family and I think nowadays the popula- population size is going down and less family around we're missing out if we don't create these big families which now come yes. through faith so I um, mean I think my kids love going to the mosque and there's always an auntie who gives about five pounds whenever they see it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> were like mentioning uh, of course the societal has become that children are uh, in schools is very open they are able mm. to discuss many things and of course you touched upon it before I interrupted you um, it's easier said than done to become their friends um, mm. how have that how have you developed that friendship with your children uh, oh, in order to um, tackle the, the societal challenges that your face, children are facing it's on and off, isn't it? Because some, you do. The thing is, you've got to mess, realize that you do mess up as well sometimes. So sometimes you might overreact, and then we've got to sort of, sort of come up to our kids and say, "Look, yeah, maybe that was wrong on my part as well," and find that middle ground because they're going through so much, and you need to create a space for them to be able to tell you what their issues are, tell you what they're struggling with, 
you know, if, I mean, my, my son's had a few issues or my daughter's had a few issues, different types of things. But if they can't come home and let me know what's going on, yeah. they're only going to let that burden them. And then you worry about how they're going to, because everybody needs an outlet. And although we do teach our children, you know, um, to speak to us, the other really good thing about having faith is that a, there's only so much you can do because you're human, right? Yeah, you're you're going right. to mess up. Mm. But we instill from them, from birth, that Allah is there with you and Allah is your best friend. And I think having that, that thing in the head that you've, not head, it's true, isn't it? Allah is your best friend. Allah is the only one. And I say to them, you know, the way you, I love you is nothing like the way Allah loves you. He loves you so much more than I do and I'll do anything for you. So just think about how much Allah loves you. So they've got prayers as a massive outlet which Definitely. they can sit and then pray and let things off their chest because I've seen my kids sometimes in their prayers really letting it all out because that's one place they genuinely can because yeah, you know, there's amazing. so many things that exams, yeah. bullying, the things coming up where they were uncertain about and I think it's not a case of just putting it on them that oh you know do namaz if you feel like it and this is a thing I think so many parents sometimes say oh it's up to the child they can decide as a parent, you do have to slightly push them. This is why you can't just be their friend. You have to be a parent. Well, you do have to say, you have to do this. Because yes. we are told that up to seven, from seven, they sort of get used to it. And I know my kids, on their 10th birthday, they're like, right, happy birthday. You're going to start reading a fudger on time from now on. No, it's no one. <laughs> <laughs> and then it becomes a part of fabric. And I said to my kids, if you don't read the Holy Quran in the morning, I'm not letting you get in the car. And so, wow. <laughs> now it sounds harsh, but now that's become ingrained and that's become a part of their lives and that is something they can use for their teenage years when life does get tough and you do need you know they'll read a verse and they'll be like oh okay that helps or they'll be able to pray and let go of things so if we didn't have religion we didn't have we didn't know that Allah was with us I think it would be so much harder for children and I think a lot of kids are suffering because we don't prioritize faith yeah and I think some people may think that these have these kind of like what you're, what you're instructing is maybe harsh but of course down the years you'll see how they, your children have picked up these habits and it's, it's benefiting them in their life greatly definitely I think that's the only I think we all need it I think every single one yeah. of us if we didn't have God we think we'd all be lost and I think that's one of the major contributing factors to mental health rising and I'm not saying it's the, uh, the you you know only people of faith uh, people don't have faith on that mental health issues everybody will can have these issues but having not having God I think can really be quite disturbing and can make you feel like you're in limbo you yeah. know because the whole that's the purpose of our creation that's what our soul is and our soul is always searching for that link and I think when I said to my kids is you know, like nowadays there's lots of pressure to achieve, you know, get into the best unis and be, do the best courses and make the most money. And I think as a person of faith, we've got to remind our children that this isn't the life, this isn't it. There's a next life and that's what we're really working to. So no matter what you do, did you be a good person or did you try your best? I mean, like we had the um, academic competition Ishtama recently for my son and he took part in everything and he got nothing. And I was like, that's fine because you took part. Yeah. And it's not about what did you bring home or what did you get. It's literally about did you take, did you make an effort in this aspect of your life because these are the things that are going to count to the next life. And reminding your kids that there is more to life than just going after the secular goals. Hmm. Um, Father, as as a, as a parent, it must be very difficult to, uh, to find a balance between independence and you know uh, guidance. 
especially in the uh, for for you know it's very crucial during the uh, teenage years so can mm-hmm. you share some practical strategies used to empower your teenagers while maintaining a strong connection with them and addressing their mental health needs yeah i think it's oh it's tough isn't it i think <laughs> i think trusting trust is because there's so much people can do and then you as a parent need to know where the line is as every child is different i think you can't just have the same rules for one child and the next child and the third child so um sorry by brigade and i think you need to establish right if if you're overlooking them all the time and saying you can't do this you can't do this you can't do this when they do leave the house and eventually they will leave the house they're going to almost go crazy because they're going to have so much freedom so you need to give them a taste of freedom and see how they react to that you know i think if we overly look over the shoulder and too much look at what they're doing we're going to just create children who don't know how to look after themselves and they need to gain maturity and independence a little bit by themselves with us I mean, of course, you should be looking at what they're doing, but hmm. there's a balance, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. If I just uh, very lastly, you know, um, technology and social media they play a significant role in teenagers' life today, um, and of course, our next our topic is also similar. But how do you navigate and monitor your teenagers' online activities, uh, especially to ensure that uh, their uh, healthy balance is uh, ensured and safeguard their mental health within the context of Islamic principles? Yeah, so social media is like a massive factor that can impact uh, your mental health, isn't it? But I mean, as some people, I know some people just completely say you're not allowed to have any apps or social media, but that's how people and children communicate nowadays. And I think as parents, and I think this is another bit of guidance that we've got from the caliph, is we need to be educated as to what our kids are doing. We need to be in tune with what our children are doing. So I know a lot, I would, I would usually download these apps and use them myself and see what's going on in these apps before I let my kids on them. Yeah. And then when they're on those apps, I'll sort of keep an eye on what they're looking at, what they're doing. If they're work if they're using them, they'll be near me. I think more the other guidance was to not let our kids sit in their own rooms, just you know, with their computers because it's quite dangerous. So because you don't know what they're doing. So it's just monitoring but giving them a little bit of independence as well at the same time but it is tricky it is very tricky because there's so many devices so many apps that they can get onto different things so it's there is no magic answer out there hmm. but one thing i did want to say which was a point you were making about um being at home for kids when they were younger i think unfortunately society has made it that a lot of children Uh, parents feel that they do need that double income so being in a place a, p- a position where you mm. can have a single income and the mum can be home is such a privilege right. so and i think somebody gave me a statistic that up to 18 the uh, children will be up to with, with you at home till 18 and they that's they will have spent 90% of their life the time they would have spent with you between 0 and 18 so mm. if we just think oh let's try and give them a good life by working and working and working we're not there for that 90% of the time yep. what we're working for so again it's all about balance isn't it definitely i think it's very important especially that you cannot have a good connection with your children if you're not there for them uh, from their your very young age so mm. uh, in order to in order to have that connection and affection i think it's very important that you know as you mentioned that uh, a mother and child connection uh it's f- very important that they should uh, mother should be there and also father they should be helping mm. and uh, you know uh, mother as well 
Thank you, uh, Faiza, for joining us. It was a pleasure having you on our show where you kind of told us your difficulties and also shared your tips with us. I'm sure our <laughs> listeners have benefited greatly. Thank you once again for joining us. Salam alaikum. Yeah. I think, I think uh, she brought some very good points, which is that, you know, you have to find a balance uh, between strictness and lenience and you have to be their friends. And I think one, one thing which she uh, mentioned is very important that instill in them that the God uh, God is watching over them and uh, if you instill this character within them uh, that you know Allah Ta'ala or God Almighty is watching you then uh, everything uh, will go right and uh, yeah definitely prayers and mm. uh, uh, having a good connection and friendship with them and then yeah I think this is the yeah. best option. So Imran, of course uh, from early age you can mm. be with them in their presence mm. and um, you can be around them more but it comes to a stage where they start schools, they start, yeah. um, of course, they've got extra act, um, activities, etc. But you no longer can spend uh, time with them. Mm. Um, so, of course, the training right in the beginning, what they receive, the, the, the model you are as a parent is very important. Yes. Um, but then, of course, what leaves them is obviously if you draw their attentions towards religion, Islam, Allah the Almighty, then of course they will also always have that in their mind before doing any action or before doing any deed. Um, if you explain to them what right and wrong is, then of course they can also once they become reach the age of maturity, that of course plays a, a huge part in that. Definitely. So let's talk about um, there's like childhood period for for the parents, and then there is another period which is called adolescence. And so parenting for adolescents, parents of adoles- adolescent children significantly you know uh, shape their mental health. And emotional support, um, effective communication, and the establishment of clear boundaries play crucial role. Parents need to balance providing guidance with allowing uh, autonomy and independence, fostering positive role modeling, and supporting academic and social development. By creating a supportive and understanding environment, parents contribute to the development of healthy coping mechanism and a secure attachment, fostering a sense of competence and self-worth in adolescence. On the other hand, bad parenting during this crucial stage can lead to adverse outcomes. Iran, I think this is the stage mm-hmm. where your child has grown up now or is turning into an adult yeah. and they have all of these demands. Can I have a phone? Can I use social media? Can I do this? Can I go out? That's the stage. Yeah. And and I said between 7 to f- uh, 13, 15? Yeah, I guess yeah, so. Yeah. It's about when they're maturing into yeah. an adult age, yeah. etc. And I think that is a very crucial very and important, important role uh, at that time for parents as well. Uh, because like, just like what Pfizer said, mm. um, social media is everywhere. Phones are everywhere. When you go to your school, kids as young as uh, in the e- year 3, 4, 5, etc., they have their phones. Yeah. Uh, whereas to some extent, we try to prolong that age of not having a phone unless unless it's very it's necessary. necessary yeah. Right, so kind for parents to tackle these issues at that age, uh, it must be challenging as a whole. Um, but of course, you cannot give in and be like uh, be too harsh itself, um, and be like mm. we we cannot uh, provide or cannot because other parents they they seen the example yeah. of children, uh, but of course with love with um, uh, being a role I model. Think, 
as mm. as a parent we have to understand you know as as a uh, our first guest was mentioning that you know st- children look towards other children as well if they yeah. have the phone they will kind of say okay uh, mom and dad uh, my friend have you know this this model phone and this and uh, this brand of phone and he has you know uh, this and that watch or cycle something like that so definitely it's a peer pressure it's very difficult for children as well mm-hmm. not for the parents for children as well so i think uh, for for children it's uh, the, the parents should understand that you know there's a peer pressure and they have to talk with their children sit down have talked okay mm. if they have this kind of things why cannot you have or what is the reason behind it what is the main focus of your life okay so i think this kind of discussion will help the children yes, to have absolutely. build their confidence and also not the f- just you know go with the with the with mm. the with the society so i think this is very important uh, to talk with your yeah. children this age and also during that age um, like uh, situations as in poor communication overly strict or permissive parenting lack of involvement um, and insufficient awareness of mental health issues can also contribute to your children feelings of like isolation rebellion and emotional distress because of course all these things they can contribute uh, to a bad upbringing of the child whether if you're not communicating with them and of course if they spend about 7 6 7 hours in school hmm. um and they come back home and then they just get into their room and start doing their own video games or whatever um and you, of course you're not having that interaction you're not having um you're not talking to them about how their day went any difficulties they face and of course being a, a child uh, being a friend of your child is it's very important yeah so adolescents may face challenges in forming a secure identity and uh, navigating the complexities of adolescence you know you being being a being a teenager or adolescent in this society is, is difficult as well and especially you know uh, the father needs to understand this because uh, in where in our background in just general asian background the father they attach with their children uh, i would say uh, 14 to 15 years old when they become you know uh, teenagers but before that they have very little connection with their children so i think this is a father role as well that they should have a connection they should have a friendship with their children and addressing this issue Uh, the current head of Ahmadiyya Muslim community, His Holiness uh, Mirza Masoor Ahmed, uh, stressed that fathers too have a responsibility in supporting mothers in the moral training of their children. They should cooperate with them and neither criticize their wife in front of their children nor undermine them. In Asian societies, many times a barrier develops between fathers and son after the age of 15 or 16. This is wrong. and should be prevented fathers should cultivate friendly relationships uh, with their teenage sons and guide them through the challenges of navigating this society at this uh, vulnerable age so i think uh, his holiness has given us a very valuable uh, piece of advice that you know um, father uh, sometime you know um, uh, they don't have that much connection with their with the children especially after he was as well was mentioning that after 15 or 16 and um, uh, this is wrong because at that age between you know 15 to 20 or 25 teenagers sorry excuse me teenagers going to be go outside and they're going to face some sort of maybe bullying or you know so they're facing some sort of uh, um you know i would say online uh, cyber bullying or some sort of you know difficulty in life if the father is not there 
then you know especially the boys they they feel some uh, something is missing in their life yeah. if the father is not there so it is very important for the fathers as well that they have a good connection uh, uh, with the boys and girls after the age of 15 yeah definitely mm-hmm. and yeah it's the father's role to mm-hmm. kind of um guide their sons particularly mm-hmm. in in various um because at, at the end of the day mm-hmm. a son would look up to his father and instead of taking his own decisions he should be going to his father and of course seeing uh, how he would guide and obviously train him uh, to bec- become the best version of them of himself and uh, of this of course Imran there's various uh, parenting styles and their effects so research suggests that parenting styles can have a range of effects on children and some of the areas of a child's life that may be affected in the present and in the future it includes that um academics so mm-hmm. parenting styles can play a part in the academic achievement and motivation um also their mental health like we're discussing that parenting styles can also influence children's mental well-being um which is very important mm-hmm. in this day and age um at least because because you can have uh, serious mental health issues um if you're not receiving the right moral training if you're mm-hmm. not being looked after in the uh, appropriate manner mm-hmm. or if you have problems going on in the Definitely household. I think Isolan has mentioned this point as well that the husband should not you know criticize their wife in front of their children because uh, there was a stat that this the 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 children who has a single parents or uh, who have unrest at their homes they are much likelier to commit crime in their life or mm. have a societal thoughts so i think it is very important the environment of your house and uh, the the overall you know uh, condition of how you know uh, husband and wife has a relation good relationship with uh, between themselves or not it's really effect directly mm. effect to the children so it is very important that you know parents should have a, a good connection Uh, and they have a good atmosphere at home yeah. and then only you know can child can mimic that attitude yeah and of course it o- overall it, it helps with their mental health as well and its well-being also self esteem that kids raised by parents with an authoritative um, style tend to have stronger self esteem than kids raised by parents with other styles um, that's also very important and social relationships and parenting styles can impact how kids relate to other people So Imran one example is mm. pers- permissive parenting which is basically characterized by a reluctance um to enforce boundaries and low expectations for a child and it basically often allows children to get away with disorderly behavior um which at times cannot be uh, great because mm. of course then it's going to have negative impact on the child itself so author Sarah Ockwell Smith in her book Gentle Discipline she attributes this approach to parents fear of hurting their child's feelings and a desire not to upset them and uh, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community the promised messiah peace and blessings of Allah be upon him he warned that uh, warned, he warned against such parenting style because he and he stated that allowing bad habits to take root without uh, admonishment leads to increasing boldness in children 
And this is uh, stated in Tafsir Hazrat uh, Masiha Maud, the Promised Messiah, hmm. in volume page, uh, volume 6, page 192. Yeah, furthermore, uh, the second successor to the Promised Messiah emphasized the need for active intervention while dealing with negative behaviors, stating that parent must not only verbalize the um, you know, wrongness, but actively work to eradicate such habits. He underscores the parental responsibility to impart etiquette and inspire spiritual poise, uh, arguing a balance between stressness and support, and uh, you know, stereness and support. Despite the temporary contentment, uh, permissive parenting may bring; it can hinder a child's long-term uh, development. So uh, he he's saying that basically you have to you have to find a balance between strictness and support. Sometimes, you know, uh, some parents are very lenient and uh, that is also wrong because uh, that gives the message that, you know, parent, if something, if the child's um, uh, committing some wrong thing, if the parent is not strict and not going to, you know, stop him, then, uh, you know, there's a message that, okay, this is, this is fine for me, I can do this. And similarly, if a parent is too strict, that also can have a bad, really bad effect. So His Holiness is saying that it is very important that they have, the parent have a, should have you know, uh, a balance between strictness and support. So this is the best way of parenting. Yeah, you're right. And mm. there's, of course, impact of parental mental health on child development. And like many illnesses and diseases, mental health disorder tends to be inherent. They can be passed down from parent to child. Um, they can, the risk of this can increase if both parents have a mental health disorder. Uh, so basically a study, Imran, that showed mm-hmm. by, by an American Journal of uh, Psychology followed that children of depressed parents over a 20-year period to gauge how they fared in adulthood. They found that the children were three times more at risk for mental health and substance abuse disorders than children whose parents weren't depressed wow. at all. Yeah. That, that's astonishing. Mm. So this does sound concerning, and of course it is. Mm-hmm. But it's also important to know just because a parent has a mental health condition, it doesn't necessarily mean it will have an impact on their children because, of course, it, uh, to some extent, it mm. can obviously be passed on, but not necessarily not in all the cases. Mm. It depends how uh, that children itself has been brought up and how the, cho- the parents themselves have tackled the mel- mental health uh, illnesses. Um, and of course, one great way um, what the Caliph mm. Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmed uh, may Allah be his helper has, mm. has instructed um, that could be a cure for to, to mental health uh, issues etc uh, treatment should should be should yeah. be sought and whatever the doctors have advised mm. this should be done but turning to Allah the Almighty praying towards him um, because uh, it is only Allah with Allah the Almighty that we can find comfort and our hearts can be content um, additionally uh, it's crucial to you know recognise that the link between parental mental health and its impact on uh, kids goes beyond just you know uh, genetics. So seg- studies consistently shows that maintaining good mental health as a parent plays a huge role in effective parenting. So if you're healthy, um, you know, or you, if you have healthy environment uh, at home um, with your husband or generally with with your relatives, and that also you know affect very uh, in a good way. Uh, towards your children, so uh, as a result, in is 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 a, is a well-being of you know overall well-being of the children. So parents who focus on their mental health well-being can create a subtle 
and nurturing home environment. When parents prioritize their mental health, they are better able to model healthily uh, coping strategies, emotional regulation, and effective communication for their kids. Taking time for self-care, seeing uh, support when needed, and actively managing mental health contribute to a positive atmosphere. Uh, yeah, I think uh, this is very important for the for the for the parents to look after their mental. Health. I think we have a guest, Mufle um, um, Ahmed. Um, yeah, so just before we take the guest, um, this this the positive environment that we're talking about, Imran, it's, it encourages uh, children to develop resilience and, of course, emotional intelligence. And, of course, a mentally healthy parent is more likely um, to build strong bonds with their children, fostering a secure attachment crucial for emotional development. Yeah, like uh, we, uh, Imran, you mentioned mm. that we have uh, our next guest, mm. uh, which is Nudrat. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, peace and blessings be upon you. Uh, Jazakallah for joining us uh, today. Assalamu alaikum, for having me. So uh, Nudrat, she's a mother uh, of a preteen. And um, the first question I would like to uh, ask you, are there any per- uh, Islamic values you find particularly beneficial when it comes to parenting um, itself? Um, obviously, respect for parents, learning about um, your religion, knowing about uh, what the Quran and Islam teaches you about how to respect parents, um, and um, uh, being a good role model for your children, which is something that is uh, uh, taught in Islam. Um, mm. That's something that's uh, very important for parenting, being a good role model for your children. Definitely. Um, and how so, how how do you incorporate <laughs> these values into your parenting to help promote children's mental health? Um, how to promote children's um, so like these uh, being a model, being a uh, teaching them. The yes, yes. Um, so obviously, being respectful uh, goes both ways. If you want respect from your children, you need to show them respect yourself, and that is very important um, when it comes to mental health as well. Because you need to understand that children are obviously going through, uh, as they're growing, the hormones are changing and they're going through challenges, which may not seem very big to you, but to a child, those challenges quite seem quite big. Mm-hmm. So if, if you respect their, um, you know, their needs uh, and behave accordingly, then they will also show respect to you. And... Um, uh, it, it creates an environment where if they have any issues, they can come to you and discuss them with you, which is very important. Uh, obviously, somebody who's going through um, has mental challenges, mental health, or their mental health challenges, uh, they can feel quite alone uh, at times. Right. So if you foster a good relationship with your children, they can feel like they can come to you and discuss those things. Uh, it can be a very lonely place if you are feeling depressed, feeling lonely, you see children go through lots of things and half, half of the day is spent in school and uh, whether it's about education or friendship issues, what they're learning, whether how, how they are growing and their um, changes that they are undergoing, it can put a lot of stress on them. So you need to create an environment where the children feel comfortable enough to come to you and discuss those things with you. Um, being friendly but also at the same time um, being able to guide them 
and show them how Islam has an answer for those issues that they it might seem like that Islam doesn't uh, have an answer to friendship issues or peer pressure, but it does. So yeah. we need to be aware ourselves about our own teaching so that we can help our children um, go through, while they're going through those issues, we can help guide them. Definitely. And, you know, uh, coming to today's day and age, and in, especially in the Western society, what challenges mm-hmm. do you face in aligning Islamic principles with cultural norms um, while nurturing your children's mental health be- well-being? So there's, there's, there's a lot of information that the children are bombarded with, whether it's at school, whether it's when they're online using social media. Um, of just um, discussing things with their friends, what's the books that they read in school. Uh, definitely when we were growing up, we didn't read those kind of books, but they are a lot more easily available. They are encouraged a lot by uh, schools, learning about things that do not particularly align with uh, Islamic values. So as I mentioned, keeping the um, communication channels open with your child, sometimes it can get very hard for parents, as a parent as well, when a child is going through something, they can react um, in a bad way. Uh, they might feel stressed out and they might not react in the way that you want them to react or behave in the way that you want them to behave with you. So uh, instead of just yelling at them and shutting things down, uh, if you remind yourself to stay calm and keep the communication open with your child, uh, and they feel safe enough to come and discuss it with you, um, then you're able to guide them properly. Um, uh, and again, you know, just making sure that you yourself do your research and um, uh, whatever the child is learning in school, you you can tell them that, well, this is what you have learned in school or this is what your friends have told you, but this is how Islam deals with this topic. And this is what, um, as an embassy, we obviously have the guidance of Fuzur, uh, the caliph. And um, he has he always guides children and mothers and girls and boys, young girls and boys, um, on contemporary issues. So we can always look up previous, um, uh, you know, read up the books of the Promised Messiah, read, look at the old um, sermons of the caliph and get our guidance from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nudrud, um, can you share some specific strategies uh, you use as a Muslim mother to navigate modern challenges and uh, maintain your uh, children's mental health within a Western you know, context? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that my uh, daughter and I have is um, over the weekend, we tend to, after, you know, as we're done with, food and everything, we spend a little more time together and discuss uh, what's happened throughout the week. Sometimes, I mean, we obviously discuss throughout the week, but there are things that your child needs to take time to process themselves before they can come to you about this. So um, so we, we try to do that over the weekend. We discuss how, um, you know, what's happened throughout the week, ask questions. Children tend to um, they don't they don't uh, share information very easily. You need to ask questions and keep questioning them uh, about specific things. What happened in school? How did it go with your friends? What are the teachers doing? 
what did you learn in school? So if you ask questions slowly, they open up and they one thing leads to another and they share what's happening in school, what's happening in class and what's happening with friends. And so just basically con- having a good conversation with your child is very important. Great. Another uh, thing yeah. um, is um, of your child with the mosque, whether it's through... Uh, you know, uh, going for Friday prayers when you can, or if your mosque has um, classes for um, children, then attending those regularly helps them to build friendships with children who have the same religious values and beliefs as yourself, which is very important because throughout the rest of the week, they are with children who don't necessarily have the same uh, upbringing, don't necessarily have the same beliefs, but if, if they make friendships, with people, with children who do have those same beliefs, then it also e- it makes it easier for children to navigate the rest of the stuff during the week. Yep, so definitely. That's, that's yeah, we, we are very uh, fortunate that we have uh, the whole community. And of course, attaching your children uh-huh. to the mosque, it's, it's a very great way of, of uh, their great upbringing. Uh, but Nuzo, thank you for joining us and sharing your thank experiences you. and your insights. It was a pleasure having you on our show. Thank, thank you once you, again. Thank you. Yes, Imran, like we've echoed, she echoed a similar thing that being a friend um, of your child, um, being in con, but having a conversation mm-hmm. uh, when they come back from school, attaching them to the community, to the mosque, and of course, giving them the teachings of Islam that this is what Islam guys are, telling them what right and wrong is, um, is very important. But of course, there's also a, a line between discipline and punishment. Yeah, so yeah, definitely raising children is not an easy task or it's, it's not easy feast. So it's, uh, you know, only natural for children to test their parents' patience. But what is the correct, you know, response? How can you, you know, correct a child's behavior without causing him to, you know, resent you? So this leads to the debate of discipline versus punishment. The main difference between the two being that discipline is teaching children a new behavior while punishment is teaching children a new uh, a new using uh, you know fear so this process is probably the leastest enjoyable part of parenting but it must be done punishment is not just you know uh, philosophically bad it is actually harmful to the brain as well now punishment is uh, fear based cohesive discipline and frequent fear is not good for your mental health or for your brain now children uh, young children especially toddlers and adolescents are naturally curious ambitious and fearless and you know, Imran, like sometimes due to their limited understanding of these children uh, or these toddlers, etc., um, toddlers or even these preschoolers, um, they have because they have limited understanding of mm-hmm. safety and difficulty uh, in re- grasping the reasoning. Mm-hmm. Let's say mm-hmm. uh, many parents resort to using fear um, at times, which can have very mm-hmm. uh, negative impact. Um, such as they might do some sort of physical punishment or time out or berating for discipline. Mm -hmm. Um, And in such homes, kids face frequent threats of punishment causing an environment where fear is a common factor for them. Um, At times I've seen that happen as well. Um, But it's important to note that it's not only the punishments themselves, but also the mere threat of punishment um, that can induce fear in children. And on one occasion, someone physically, this is an example from the life of the promised Messiah, Hazrat Mizah Ghulam Ahmed, peace and blessings be upon him, that someone physically rep- uh, reprimanded his child, uh, deeply affected by this, the founder of the MDM Muslim community, His Holiness Hazrat Mizah Ghulam Ahmed, 
may peace and blessings Allah be upon him, called the individual and delivered a heart-wrenching address. The Promised Messiah stated, In my view, to strike a child in this manner is equivalent to associating partners with God. For the ill-natured perpetrator who hits a child arrogates themselves to a position of granting guidance, a position only held by God and seeks to partake of God's station of providence. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think this is this is one of the best um, uh, piece of advice. Uh, uh, the Promised Messiah also mentioned in other plays that, you know, uh, how I raise my children is that I just give them the, you know, go- good morals and teach them the, you know, manners and etiquettes. And uh, I instill within themselves the fear of Allah, the fear of Allah Ta'ala, God Almighty, and just I do pray for them. This is the best way to, to raise your children. Yeah, and like we've mm-hmm. discussed in the hour, mm. uh, parenting is not easy. It's challenging, Definitely. whether it be your first child, your second child, or the third, etc. Mm-hmm. It's not easy at all. But of course, um, being a good friend and being uh, being supportive, being a role uh, model, for being them. a role model for them, is very important. And in conclusion, being a mm. parent is a lifelong journey, but that seriously affects how our kids navigate the ups and downs in life, uh, from the early years to the roller coaster of adolescence. Uh, how we show emotional or how parents show emotional support, communi- uh, communicate and set boundaries, it makes a huge, huge difference. Definitely. And creating an understanding atmosphere helps children deal with life's curveballs. And it also builds up their confidence, whether that's in uh, nursery, school, hmm. or whether they're starting their life in college and university. Throughout their years, they, they wish to have parents who are role models and also always there by their sides. Um, it's all about finding the right balance in guiding them without going overboard and mm-hmm. without applying these like, many punishments. Or, yeah. Of course, discipline is very important yes. still. Um, and discipline doesn't really necessarily mean that you scare them. Hmm. There are better ways. So a parent's influence paints the canvas of their children's lives. So, of course, we're heading towards the end of the hour. We'll be back uh, after a short break into our second hour where we'll be discussing social media and we'll be back after a short break. Peace be upon you. And as promised, welcome back to the Drive Time Show. In the second hour, we'll be talking about social media. Almost half of British teens feel addicted. Um, It's very, very current. Of course, it's an important topic because at times uh, you can be scrolling on Instagram uh, Twitter, TikTok, or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, Assalamu alaikum wa May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Definitely, I think um, this is one of the one of the say, most important and most, most current topic and very, you know, uh, say, uh, related topic uh, um, as, you know, in, in these circumstances, um, especially the youth and teenagers, they are, uh, they are addicted to social media. So um, almost half of the British uh, teens feel that they are addicted to yep. social media ads, apps like uh, Facebook, TikTok. So um, if you are someone who finds yourself, you know, spending hours scrolling through Facebook, TikTok, Instagram and countless other social media sites, you're not alone. Recently, a study by Dr. Amy Orban's team at the University of Cambridge using data from cohort study found that almost half of British teenagers say they feel addicted to social media. I think it's very concerning. It's not the, the, just the British teenagers, but also all around the world. I think there's this the same trend. Yeah, I think, in fact, it's because of the, the popularity um, these sites have gained. Um, just being able to connect with their friends 
um, through these social media platforms is what uh, it's gaining the popularity hmm. uh, because if you look back at 10-15 years ago yeah. uh, we weren't as well connected as we are now uh, and of course whilst being connected there are also negative risks and impact that can have especially addiction uh, of, of just being on your phone for hours um, which can also have a negative health, uh, impact on your health and your well-being as well and the social media addiction refers to the excessive and compulsive use of social media platforms to the extent that it inf- uh, interferes with their daily life, their relationships, their work, and overall their well-being as a whole. While not yet officially recognized as a clinical disorder yet, um, the, the excessive use of social media, um, however, you can you have like it can have significant uh, negative impacts um, on men- mental health, including increased feelings of loneliness anxiety, depression, and low self-esteem. Of course, it also depends on the kind of information you're taking in Mm. from these platforms. Um, Where you have the negative aspects of social media, it can also have positive, uh, good impact on your life as well, Mm. whether that's being motivated for certain uh, things, whether that's uh, you want to become more religious. um, It depends on what you're taking in from these social media Uh, these of uh, saying of the Holy Prophet's peace and blessings of Allah be upon him uh, say that um, every intoxicant is homer and every intoxicant is forbidden so I, I think excessive of excessive amount of everything is bad for you whether it's food social media even you know good things which you think of exercise I think ex- excessive of everything in your life is very bad. And this is why Islam says that the khairul umuri awsatuha, that the best way is the middle way, uh, yeah. where you not, you know, uh, where you go on, you find the middle ground. So, yeah, so this kind of addiction, when you have addiction on social media, then you tend to, tend to you know, affect your mental health, well-being, and also, you know, just your social circle. Uh, I... I um there are some teens who spend uh, on on social media around 7 to 8 hours per day mm. so this is this is i mean they're totally you know just on their phone all the time so this is wrong as well but there are good side of social media where you can you know uh, connect and get information and also all sort of this uh, yeah. knowledge yeah we want our listeners to get involved um what do you use social media for how does it help you what benefits that you have seen or if it's uh, impacting you negatively then give us a call uh, at 0208-687-7878 um and you know like you mentioned hmm. imran it is concerning um, the fact that half of the teens are feeling um they feel, they feel addictive to it and Social media, it plays a significant role in the lives of teenagers today, um, like we've mm. mentioned briefly, and shaping their social interactions, their self-expression, and even their sense of identity. And so just before I go, we go further into the topic, there are mm. some key points regarding social media and teens. Uh, communication and connection, for example. Social media platforms basically provide teens with avenues for staying connected with friends, peers, and regardless of their physical distance, it allows them to maintain relationships, um, share with them their updates, sh- share their life, mm-hmm. whatever they're doing, and communicate in real time through messaging, comments, and reactions. However, social media does have its advantage to the extent that we can also see news in real time, right? right, right. Uh, if there was no social media, um, the current conflicts that are happening in the Middle East or around the world, we would have no 
knowledge of or we will have little to no knowledge of of those so in that sense um having these social media platforms are enabling us to see what's happening around the world then we can also you know self through social media we can also uh, self um, express so in it offers a space to express themselves um creatively through photos um posts videos and stories and it allows them to to showcase their interests talents and opinions fostering a sense of independence and self discovery then uh, you know social media can uh, teenagers can you know um through social media the social dynamics on platforms like uh, instagram snapchat tiktok and other uh can significantly influence uh, you know teens behavior attitude and perception they often seek validation and perception from their peers uh, which can impact their self esteem and decision making imran very important um the next point mm. is regarding cyberbullying mm. um and it has affected millions across the world um unfortunately social media can also be a platform for cyberbullying and there has been countless and countless of cases uh, even within the UK uh, where teens may experience harassment mm. ridicule or exclusion online and this can have serious consequences on their mental health uh, leading to anxiety depression and even to some extreme cases suicidal thoughts as well yeah i think it was uh, yesterday or two days ago all of the uh, social media's big big social media ceo were present in the us congress and uh, the, the ceo of tiktok facebook and instagram and they were having you know there was the big big concern was that you know these social media apps they just um, they just wanted to earn the money and they don't put the, enough money used to protect the children especially from you know uh, child abuse or cyberbullying all of these you know negative things so yeah i think th- this needs to be taken care from needs to be taken care uh, whether uh, from it comes from the government or the the ceo mm. of these uh, social media companies yeah mm. and some some countries have themselves imposed certain bans on certain apps definitely um so they they kind of controlling mm. it mm. whereas it's not done in all the all the countries rather mm. um there's also mm. privacy concerns and many teams they may not fully understand the implications of sharing personal information online and especially with the um this new artificial intelligence etc uh, that's also um pr- having a great impact on how we see these social media platforms anyways taking this conversation further we have with our first guest for this show um, Rachel Huggins who is a co-CEO of Internet Matters which is a non-profit organization set up to support parents careers and professionals working with children on issue of online safety uh, with that short intro i would like to welcome Rachel to our show um peace be upon you and welcome to the drive time show Rachel hi um and nice Hello nice to meet you and thank you for having me with you. It's our pleasure. Um diving straight into the conversation Rachel, what does Internet Matters do uh, your organization and why do you think most teenagers tend to be addicted to social media? And um, what you give this summary of what we do. Um so we provide information um primarily for parents, carers and professionals to help them keep children safe online. So our website at internetmatters.org has lots of information and guides on supporting children to navigate the online world safely and has help and advice on what to do if things go wrong. Right. And um, you've already kind of talked a lot about kind of addiction to social media and and I think that the study that you're 
you're referring to talks a lot about the lack of control and compulsion they feel to be on their phones. Yeah. Um, you know, we we see that you know children are getting phones at an ever younger age, and they quickly progress to social media platforms. I think about ninety percent of twelve to seventeen year olds have accounts on social media platforms. Um, Internet Matters publishes some research every year called our Digital Wellbeing Index, and that looks at both the positive and negative aspects of, of technology on children and young people's well-being. You talked a bit about the positive aspects, um, so it does make them feel confident, independent, and happy. But social media use can also be associated with, with negative feelings. Um, and our research shows that over half of children themselves say they spend too much time online and they find it difficult to control this. So um, while kind of 80% of children use kind of their phone and use social media to keep in touch with friends and, yep. and 60% say, say it makes them feel part of a group, there's a huge sense of um, fear of missing out. Um, on what their friends are doing, but also what they're interested in and what their friends might be talking about. So a sense of having to constantly check to make sure you're not missing out on anything. I know as adults, we, we often feel that compulsion to check our phones um, and the content on social media platforms is intended to keep people engaged. So teens kind of want to share it and be part of the conversation about it. So it's, it's very difficult mm-hmm. them to control the time they spend. Definitely. And Rachel, how do you social media platforms influence the behavior and decision making of the teenagers um so that the platforms want their users to enjoy the experience of using them we've all heard about the algorithms they use um, yes. to give people more of the content that they appear to like and that can kind of keep teens on their devices for longer periods of time so it is affecting their behavior if there's more content that is being fed to them that they want to consume and, and as i said want to talk about and share with friends but you also talked about the content they they the content itself that they look at online. So that can really influence them, who they follow and engage with, what opinions and views they're exposed to. So we really need to teach children to think critically about what they see and read. You, you also talked a bit about the rise of misinformation and fake news. Yep. So it's really important to educate children to kind of question what they see and whether that's true. So and, and, as well, you mentioned the advent of IA. Um, AI makes that even harder um because it gives people now gives people the ability to make false images as we've seen in the news recently so it's really important to kind of um educate children around critical thinking Hmm. Um, rachel what responsibilities do social media companies have in regulating content and ensuring user safety um so, so in the uk i'm not sure if you're aware but the online safety act was passed um, by the government last year okay. um, and that aims to make um, the platforms more responsible for the safety of users and, and that is particularly children so mm-hmm. the platforms now need to kind of anticipate identify and take steps to um, manage the risks that people face uh, and build this into the design of their platform so they're not just relying on users telling them they found inappropriate content or, or suffered online abuse okay. so you, you'll see com- companies like Meta and TikTok they employ tens of thousands of moderators um, and most platforms have controls and tools you can use to manage privacy and allow adults to keep an eye of what their children are doing online. But not everyone is aware of these tools and controls, um, and not many people are aware about potentially about the Online Safety Act itself. Um, mm-hmm. And it'll take a while to imp- implement that fully. So it will start with tackling illegal harms um, and then kind of content that's considered legal but, but harmful. So um, you know, harms like seeing terrorism or, or kind of abuse imagery but then kind of on to legal but harmful content that might be bullying or violence. So it'll take a while to implement um, all of the regulation around this. 
Um, but there, there is now a, something in the case in the UK that forces the platform to take more notice and, and act accordingly. Right. Um, Russia is a huge issue of cyberbullying and also, you know, children going to the inappropriate web, website or sexual website. So how can we address these issues? So, yeah, we found in our research that two, like two in five children said they've experienced bullying online. And this is often higher for children who've got, who've got vulnerabilities. So as I said, there are lots of tools available to set privacy controls, you know, manage the groups that children are interacting with. So they're only really talking to friends online um, and only their friends are able to post um, against the content that they're sharing. Um, but bullying does also happen in, in friendship groups. So I think we always say it's really important to use these controls as a tool. Um, but that goes hand in hand with talking to your children about what they're seeing online. Um, what they might encounter, you know, encouraging them to take breaks and turn off their phone. You were you were talking earlier about role modelling, parent role modelling, mm. and it's really important that we as parents show good online behaviour. So, so we're not on our phones when our children are trying to talk to us. We're taking breaks, and they can see that that's you know a really positive yeah. step that they can mirror themselves. But we also need to encourage children to be good friends online, so not to be influenced by others into bullying behavior as well. So always thinking about how they would feel um, if they read something about themselves online. So it, it's really important to keep talking to your child as they grow up uh, about these issues. But also if it does happen, knowing how to deal with it is really important. Again, a lot of these platforms have tools to block and report bullies. Um, and, you know, it's often important to go to the school to get some help um, if it's happening within a school environment. So our, our website has lots of information on cyberbullying and if parents don't know where to start, we've also got a tool called My Family's Digital Toolkit, which gives you tailored information based on what apps your children are using and what concerns you have, be that cyberbullying or see it coming across inappropriate content. Because again, there are lots of tools and controls that you can put on your broadband um, and on your uh, search engines to make sure children aren't coming across content you don't want them to see. Yeah, Rachel, and of course, um, everything that's shared online, it also leaves a digital footprint, which can have long-term yes. consequences. And at times, I think teenagers may be unaware uh, of that. So how can teenagers be educated about managing their digital footprint on social media for future educational and career opportunities. Yes, exactly as you say. A lot of children aren't really aware that nothing is temporary online. You know, the internet keeps a record of your behaviour, the photos you upload, the comments you make. And it's also easy for others to copy them, save them, forward them. So even if you delete them, if someone's already seen it and saved it, there's yeah. still a record available. Um, you know, and your social profiles can be a reflection of your values. So you know, if you are going to a higher education institution or going for a job you know companies can can look at your social profile to see what you believe in or what type of person you are so to, to avoid any negative impact on their future we must always encourage teams to think about what they share so think before they share something um, is this a reflection of me is this how i want people to see me is this a kind comment that i'm leaving so really think about what they're what they're putting out there because once it's out there it's very difficult to take it back yep Great. Thank you, Rachel, for joining us. It was a pleasure having you on our show today. And if our listeners want to learn more about uh, their work or get educated on various resources that they have, they should uh, visit internetmatters.org. Rachel, thank you once again for joining us. Thank you for having me. Great conversation. Great. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
So, yeah, so before mm. our guest, I'm sure that they've shared a lot of insight and mm. of how um, children, teenagers, parents even, um, they can be useful and kind of monitor mm. um, how children are using or the teenagers are using social media. Of co- but of course, teenagers themselves, um, they've at, they are in that age where they know what is right, they know what is wrong, they know mm. how to um, navigate through social media. Um, and of course, Rachel mentioned about the algorithm. Um, what you seem to like, what you seem to follow, who you seem to follow, it has an impact on on your page, etc. Uh, so you, you need to be careful, be mindful of that as well. I think she, uh, one important thing she also mentioned is that uh, if parents they are using their um, mobile phone, cell phone constantly, then they cannot tell their children to you know to to, to not to use them. So um, role model. Paranormal is very important. Which we discussed in our previous hour as well. It goes right uh, hand in hand with what we're talking about. Uh, Rachel did mention the fear of missing out. And uh, you know the the kind of teenagers have that comparison and uh, we might miss out, etc. Social media, it can contribute to feelings of inadequacy and anxiety among um, teens as they compare themselves to others online personas etc mm, mm. and the fear of missing out also known as FOMO can also lead to excessive use of social media impacting sleep uh, productivity and overall well-being yeah I think this is this is very um, important point because I remember when you know Ukraine and Russia war uh, was uh, you know was started so everyone thought you know it's going to be third world war and stuff so uh, I myself they constantly you know watching the news 24 7 and uh, then I realized after some time, it, it really gives you stress and fear of missing out something, you know, missing some news. So it is really important that, okay, you ha- have a specific time in a day where you just go and read the news. And otherwise, if you have this, uh, you uh, along the, you know, along the way, you build this fear that you're missing out something. So it is very important that you have a specific time and uh, specific you know uh, time to, to to look these kind of yeah. news and stuff like that of course uh, mm. keeping up to date with mm. the the world events mm. and what is uh, whatever is happening i think that's one great benefit yeah. of social media uh, and i think we can take advantage mm. of that so we can see the pictures images videos mm. reality in real time um but of course excessive will of course have a negative impact yeah. on yourself like you've mentioned well overall while social media it offers numerous benefits for teens in terms of connectivity and self-expression, it's essential to recognize and address the potential risk and challenges associated with its use. So Imran, why is social media so, so addictive? And Yeah, I think um, the, the addictive potential of social media comes with its uh, you know, accessibility and uh, giving individuals a chance to access an array of information and all from the palm of their hands. So um, you and me, you know, everyone has the mobile. So whenever we, you know, just sit down, say, why not check over, you know, social media? Why not check news? So it's really the accessibility. And uh, and along the way, and or uh, when the time passes slowly, we have this habit of watching or checking over social media uh, accounts or going to YouTube shorts or TikTok. So it is really the accessibility and easy to use, you know. If mm. a person um, doesn't even, you know, how to how to how to print the mobile, I um, know some person who just scrolled on the social media all day. It's so simple, it's really just swipe, 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 yeah. swipe. So I think this this is this is that accessibility, easy to use, and area of information, 
uh, and uh, whether that is to reach out to friends and also relieve stress or simply wind down after a particular difficult day. So social media has a lot to offer everyday user. I mean, it is also funny that, you know, when we are tired, when, you know, it's a long day for us, we tend to relax ourselves by using social media. Mm. Although we'll be, you know, relaxing or, you know, having a bath and just sitting down with no, no nothing to use. But but we are using social media to relax. So that's, I think this is why becoming... Yeah, and Imran, most recently in mm. the realm of modern technology, uh, I think most recently, a few days ago, the mm. Apple Pro Vision glasses have, yeah. have were invented and they're out to the public now. Mm. Mm. Um, and even on social media, you, you see this. Uh, it's hilarious to me, <laughs> the fact that people are uh, crossing the road mm-hmm. um, with these glasses on, mm. uh, with multiple screens right. in front of them, which are can be seen through the glasses. And they're just uh, doing various hand gestures to control those screens. Right, so this is the technology that we're kind of in and kind mm. of progressing more towards, uh, which is also becoming um, uh, is having ne- negative impact because that's all you do all day. Mm-hmm. Um, you put these glasses on and you can have Twitter on one side, YouTube on one side. You could be watching a movie, you could football match, and doing your work at the same time. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm hoping that these kind of they're not using these while driving. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. So, uh, yeah. So uh, these technology is mm. progressing, but we uh, need to limit ourselves. We need to know uh, to what extent they're mm. beneficial for us. Because look, technology in itself is not bad. It can have a positive impact in in the world as a whole. Um, so, but we need to be accountable for how we use and um, definitely, as you mentioned, t- technology as itself is not bad. But an addict, however, will rely on their device, you know, uh, extensively to satisfy a particular need. Depended on social media to feel, you know, uh, uh, balanced and uh, you know, functional. This is because social media use um, activates those same reward you know, pathways that are triggered when using addictive substance, such as drug or alcohol. When we spend time on social media platform, our brain releases small uh, bursts of uh, dopamine as to, as to reward us for, a such, you know, for such a pleasurable activities. And experiencing this neurological response can push us to take part in the behavior again and again. Using social media to seek instant and constant gratification uh, wherever we are. So this is this is another problem that you know um, we whenever we tired or whenever we are sitting down, we tend to open our mobile and use social media, and that gives us the dopamine without doing anything, just watching yeah. something. We are getting this excites you know, us. It kind of like uh, releases the, the the dopamine, dopamine burst uh, in yeah. without um, which which basically ending up we we end up using it so much or we, we become addict to it. Yeah, and of course the holy prophet, the founder of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Um, he said it on one occasion that if a large amount of anything causes intoxication, a small amount of it is also prohibited. So if it comes to that extent where every day you're constantly um, kind of addicted to this social media, then of course uh, that kind of becomes a means of prohibit- prohibitation for yourself. And there's several factors that contribute to social media uh, addiction. Uh, our, our guest Rachel, she also mm-hmm. touched upon this as well. Um, which also include that psychological factors. And, you know, social media, it provides 
instant gratification mm. in the form of likes, comments, and share. Uh, and at times, um, you might have noticed, like if someone posts something, mm-hmm. they go back quick after like ten <laughs> minutes to check how many likes they've got, likes or if comments. anyone comments they've got. Um, so of course that has an impact mm. as well, which can activate uh, reward pathways in the brain, leading to a compulsive use. Uh, of course, technological factors, social media platforms are designed to be addictive. Um, their main purpose is for the users to stay on the application mm. for mm. as long as possible. Um, that's how algorithm works. So if a, a video, if someone is interested, they'll carry on watching it, watching it, and that will kind of boost the algorithm for that video itself. And also, you know, with these, um, you know, shorts and TikTok, you know, small video, thirty second mm-hmm. or maybe fifteen second or five second video, I think th- that's <laughs> this created a, a boost in usage of social media, because uh, you know um, I've noticed that when you use, um, you know, uh, especially the Uh, or you see the shorts or you know small videos it also reduces your attention spam as well mm. and over the time um you just cannot focus on long things you know so um, most of the time i was uh, seeing a post in which in uh, you know in underground someone's taken a picture of underground in london 2000 everyone was reading book and you know everyone and then it compares the the picture to 2018 i think 18 and everyone is just on their phones so definitely i think it over the year it has really you know drastically changed the dynamics of uh, how you how you you know uh, live in society and definitely uh, it has ups and downs as we mentioned uh, yeah. Before, yeah um so while many of us may think that social media addiction is not as dangerous as other dependencies social media um addiction can lead to negative consequences if left unaddressed some of these also include increased feelings of loneliness and isolation but before uh, we go into that we are, have our next guest with us uh, iftikharun nisa yusuf um who is a retired school teacher and has worked as the regional president of midlands uh, for the md muslim community for 23 years in both roles she was able to engage and work with teenagers in different um, capacities so with that short intro i would like to welcome uh, iftikharun nisa yusuf um, to the show assalamu alaikum peace and blessings be upon you wa alaikum assalam and jazakallah for inviting me uh, it's a pleasure having you on our show uh, just to start the conversation and the first question i have for you is what are some common challenges or concerns teenagers face when using social media right okay um well uh, today our teenagers they face a huge number of challenges and concerns uh, when it comes to the usage of social media platforms and uh, uh, for example the first one comes to your mind is uh, cyberbullying or yeah. um, online harassment and ex- exploitation uh, online bullying through social media platforms can be a huge challenge for our teenagers and the reason behind this is that um, it reaches a wide range of audiences very quickly and it's very difficult to escape and cyberbullying we all know that it can lead to low self esteem depression and anxiety among teenagers and uh, then again some teenagers they may encounter online predators or individuals uh, uh, seeking to exploit them for various purposes such as uh, could be grooming blackmailing or trafficking and uh, this can pose serious risk to Uh, our teenagers safety and well-being when uh, uh, online and uh, another concern i would say is um, uh, addiction and time management 
Yes. Uh, because we all know that social media can be very addictive and this can lead to teenagers to spending excessive amount of time online at the expense of other activities such as it could be schoolwork, uh, homework, hobbies, and uh, maybe socializing face-to-face with their friends. Uh, and in, then, yes. In your uh, experience, um, yeah. what strategies or approaches have you found effective in promoting, you know, the positive online behavioral uh, among teenagers? Yeah. Uh, well, in order to address the challenges and concerns, we need uh, a combination of different strategies and approaches. Right. And, uh, for example, promoting uh, positive online behavior, uh, setting clear expectations, a combination of, again, education, communication, and implementation of some of the strategies and approaches. And when we talk about the strategies or approaches, I think the first thing comes to my mind is obviously positive role modeling, and that always works best. Um, It's a very effective strategy because by demonstrating responsible and respectful online behavior ourselves, we can show our teenagers how to engage in constructive online interactions, uh, how to maintain privacy settings, and how to use social media as a tool for connecting with others and sharing uh, meaningful content. And then again, I think setting clear boundaries and expectations regarding the use of social media and other online platforms is another strategy or approach uh, which can be very effective. And uh, this can include guidelines on appropriate content sharing, time limits for screen usage, and rules for online interaction with strangers. And But we have to make sure that when we are using any kind of strategy, uh, we have to reinforce these boundaries consistently to make it work and for it to be more effective. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I think uh, keeping an open and non-judgmental communication with teenagers is again an ex- extremely important um, uh, strategy which we can use, which is difficult, but uh, I mean, we have to work on that. Uh, we have to encourage them to share their experiences, concerns and questions about social media, which uh, as a parent, as a teacher, I must say it's not always that easy. But again, here establishing trust and empathy is another positive tool. Uh, which can help teenagers to feel comfortable uh, when it comes to seeking guidance uh, whenever they need it. Definitely. Um, in your experience, um, how do teenagers respond to if, uh, you know, efforts by parents or educators to monitor or restrict their social media usage? Uh, well, this is a difficult one. Uh, <laughs> it's very hard to predict, honestly. Hmm. Um, I think here I would say is, that the response would vary widely based on the types of strategies you use and how it's been used and of course on individual personalities who are receiving or who are on the receiving end and again their relationship and circumstances as well and the first most common one i would say be prepared uh, for is resentment and resistance Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, some teenagers they may feel resentful or resistance to parental control to monitor or restrict their social media usage. Uh, they may perceive it as an invasion of privacy uh, or an attempt to control their personal lives, uh, leading to defiance or pushback against the imposed restrictions. Um, it may be that they will end up becoming less communicative with parents. Uh, they may withdraw from family or school activities or mm. possibly they seek and they seek out alternative sources of support and uh, validation online. Hmm. Uh, hmm. But again, I would say that some, parent, uh, some teenagers, they may be more willing than others to negotiate and compromise. They may engage in discussions more 
uh, so they can express their concerns and preferences and uh, try to work together to find a mutually acceptable solution. Right. And I think having a good positive relationship hmm. uh, with your children and vice versa is the key to have more open discussions and more sort of uh, uh, environment where they can trust you and where you can trust them uh, instead of uh, you telling them something and they are going behind your back and may respond to monitoring or restrictions by attempting to conceal their online activities or find other ways to bypass the enforced control. So I think it's extremely important for parents to approach discussion about social media usage with empathy, with understanding and obviously respect, great respect for teenagers and uh, their sort of um, privacy as well. Mm. And building trust, fostering open communication and involving them, uh, especially teenagers, involving them in your decision making process, uh, that can help uh, mitigate some of the ne negative uh, responses and uh, this can encourage responsible online behavior. Mm. Very well said. Um, Iftikharunissa, um, have you encountered any instances where social media has had a particularly positive or negative impact on a teenager's mental health or well-being? Uh, I think as parents and as teachers, uh, we both often encounter instances where uh, social media has both positive and negative impact on teachers. And if we start with the positive first, uh, then we can say, as a teacher, if I can talk about that, is that positive impact of social media is uh, that social media platform can help facilitate communication and collaboration among students. Uh, this allows them to share ideas, resources, and feedback outside of the classroom. And uh, sometimes it can help students to coordinate group projects, discuss assignments, and to seek help from uh, their peers as well. And then again, this can result in um, increased engagement and participation uh, to engage students in learning activities and discussions, especially yeah. for those who may not be uh, that open or that vocal in a classroom environment. So social media can help them to uh, have uh, to, to take part in uh, discussions and contribute to their uh, projects. And then again, a massive uh, advantage I would say is obviously the access to educational resources. Uh, they can provide a vast array of education resources, including articles, videos, podcasts, and tutorials. Uh, the Teachers, uh, they see their students sharing and discussing relevant content to their, to their coursework or exploring topics of interest beyond their classroom um, curriculum. And if uh, some not that positive impact uh, could include uh, distraction and decreased focus uh, because uh, social media can be a significant source of distraction and uh, to students. Mm -hmm. And this can lead to sometimes decreased focus and productivity in the classroom. And students may use their devices to check social media notifications constantly, chat with their friends, or browse unrelated content instead of uh, paying attention to the lesson. And then again, as I mentioned earlier as well, cyberbullying and negative peer interaction is another um, uh, problem you can say or another challenge you can say, which can lead to uh, some kind of mental health issues and uh, sort of well-being issues yeah. as well. And again, social media is often flooded with misinformation, sometimes rumors and sometimes just uh, sensationalized content, making it very difficult and very challenging for some teenagers to pick out a, a fact from fiction. 
Uh, yeah, which definitely. Can lead I think to there's there's a number of uh, I think fake news and uh, disinformation in social exactly. media as well. Um, yeah. And finally, and very uh, quickly, what advice yeah. would you give to parents of guardians looking to support their teenagers in using social media responsibly? Okay, uh, I think with that again, I would say a good combination of education, communication, and guidance. And the first thing and the most important advice I can give. Uh, to any parents or any uh, caregivers is educate yourself. Education, education, education. Yep. Take time to educate yourself about the various social media platforms your teenager is using, uh, including their features, their privacy settings, and potential risks. And stay informed about current trends and issues related to social media and online safety. And then again, as I said previously, try to keep an open and non-judgmental environment where your teenagers feel comfortable discussing their experiences and concerns at any time. If they have any issue or any concern, they should come to you as your first point of uh, call, yep. you can say, mm-hmm. uh, to, dis- to address any issues or challenges that they may be facing. And then again, uh, setting clear expectations and boundaries is another uh, important advice I can say. Mm-hmm. Good role modeling, uh, and we can't stress enough on that. Uh, that you have to be that good role model or you have to lead by example if you want your approach to be effective and you have to show uh, responsible and respectful social media behavior yourself first. And then only you can expect that uh, your teenager will take something out of that. Great. And uh, Um, again, help them maybe to promote healthy habits and balance between on and offline activities as well. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Great. Thank you for for joining us today. It was a pleasure having you on our show today, Iftikhar and Nissa. Um, your your advice and uh, the the points you mentioned uh, are greatly appreciated. Mm-hmm. Thank you once again. Okay. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Imran. I think the um, it was really important. Parents need to educate themselves, right? Because um, if they not, they, if they lack education in regards mm-hmm. to social media mm-hmm. and the the trends of the society. Then they may f- uh, sh- uh, fall short mm-hmm. uh, of knowing what their kids are up to, especially Definitely. in regards to social education. Media. And I would say prayer is the most important thing. Yeah, um, and like she mentioned, um, role model. Yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. something that we cannot stress uh, enough. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think um, last we have uh, another guest. Uh, yep, we we'll go straight off to to uh, Shanze Ahmed. Uh, she's a teenager living in um, Britain, currently studying level three in health and social care. Uh, Shanze, assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you and welcome to the Dartmouth Show. So straight to the question, um, Shanze, um, how much time do you typically spend on social media each day? It depends on the day, like for example if it's a school day or a college day, um, just like an hour or like half, but if it's like a holiday, then like three hours, and, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so... Um, do you find yourself um, frequently checking social media throughout the day? Because definitely we are um, we are talking about you know addiction and uh, uh, using social media a lot more than than the usual. So, uh, do you find yourself frequently checking social media throughout mm-hmm. the day, or just trip? Uh, I I just use social media when like like just like when I'm sleeping, like just like for uh, an hour and so on on a school or on a college day. Because I, and then I just sleep because I have college. But then when it's like a holiday, then I, uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty to use it, but not that much because I have other things. Right? Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. I think your social media time that you spend daily is quite reasonable <laughs> as co- as compared to mine I would say. <laughs> uh nevertheless have you noticed uh, any negative effects on your mental health or well-being due to your social media usage? Uh yeah so not even you know like the wars it war between like Palestine and Israel yeah. and like, Sudan Congo like Pakistan and stuff so like watching videos and clips of like you know uh violence and, and firing and bombs it really affects my mental health and I feel like because i can't do anything and it does affect my mental health hmm. so, yeah. so so what countermeasures have you've taken to kind of tackle t- tackle this uh, so i i've stopped using it that much now so i i prefer like watching a movie or or or, or drama or something and and use less of like you know instagram reels or tiktok in particular I mean um, that sure helps with uh, in terms of seeing those but then aren't you restricting yourselves from the the reality of the world? Mm, I think or do you go to like let's say you go to Al Jazeera or news sources to find out information rather than seeing the context yeah. of those videos? Exactly like I I know what's happening like uh, like you know like I know that now they're firing like Rafai but like you know watching Instagram is like super convenient for you so like you can literally just go and just like like open Instagram and then there's this video there and as as you said Al Jazeera you have to go to the website and like look for the information and that you really have to work for that and yes you know it's it's like different so Yeah definitely I think uh, that's uh, the the aspect that it is so much easier to use that makes exactly. it you know so, so that makes it very addictive to uh, not even young but also the you know uh, um, the people who are in their maybe 60s or 70s um so definitely um so um have you ever tried to cut back on your social media usage if so how successful were you Yeah, I've tried to like when I when I had my GCSEs exams last year, mm-hmm. I I stopped using like Instagram, TikTok, like all these platforms like for a month, and I was really successful. I I didn't I didn't download. I just uninstalled them and like mm-hmm. I stopped using them, and I just used like WhatsApp to like communicate with my family, friends, and YouTube like for for like you know a course uh, for for like information. and that was really helpful like i stayed away and i i i i, I yeah it was helpful great thank you shanzi for joining us it was pleasure having you on our show mm-hmm. today and thank you, you for your for your insight zakla assalamu alaikum peace be upon you yeah imran so that was someone that um uses social media mm-hmm. have been through the negative impacts mm-hmm. and that it has especially during the current day and age of mm-hmm. the of the conflicts etc um and i think uh, sometimes you do need to take a step back um in order to um, be well prepared or mm. to improve your mental health um you need to kind of you know something that is affecting your your health negatively mm. and you can have you can take a few steps and you know how you can improve within that um so doing taking those steps or uninstalling these apps mm. uh, let's say for even a month or a week or so and then coming back onto it um for restrictive time period 
that will of course be useful for you and if, if someone is going through these struggles mm-hmm. especially um like um shanzi mentioned uh, she's seen images and videos and i like like myself mm-hmm. i have as well seen mm-hmm. very explicit images of of the consequences of of, of all the bombardment mm-hmm. and, and um it has been at times of course it's eye opening mm-hmm. um and of course you feel the pain of these innocent uh, people mm-hmm. um but i would obviously uh, i want to kind of know and see what's happening so it doesn't it's not something that i see it once and i forget about it and i kind of like kind of yeah. ignore it, it really to affects extent. your your health and you know yeah. it can uh, boost your mood or maybe you know lower mm. the mood during the, the more day, i yeah. see the thing is uh, every time i see it mm. the only thing i can do um, is pray for them mm. right and it encourages me to pray for them and kind of like um if i can help them in any form of like let's say donation or even just praying for them mm-hmm. um that i try to do myself yeah so quickly uh, you know increase feeling of loneliness and isolation so while social media can be a uh, uh, you know valuable tool for sharing and studying in in contact and staying in contact social media ironically can just do the positive as well in march 2020 35% of young people interviewed admitted to feeling lonely most of the time despite spending at least 3 hours on social media. So while social media is one of the most popular tools to communicate, we can find ourselves replacing those more traditional forms of connection such as meeting with loved ones in person entirely with uh, you know entirely with you know just texting or uh, commenting and posting online. So it is doing opposite uh, totally the opposite so it shows study shows that 35% of young um, you know people they said that after using social media we feel more loneliness so definitely uh, you know as a human being we need to have a, some some sort of you know um, physical contraction one to one contraction with each other rather than just posting and liking uh, the picture i think you mentioned very good point that uh, it's called digital detoxing so if you if you think that uh these things are you know making a negative effect in your life then i think you mm. should take a break and uh, uninstall these kind of app and you know more focus on the people around you and loved ones have a mm. conversation with them maybe go for for walk you can go for exercise and you know have a talk with someone uh that you can trust and then that's how you can i think really mm. work on your addiction yeah and of course mm-hmm. um social media of, um as our community there are many many different uh, accounts um that are sharing islamic information mm. uh, news about <coughs> the current affairs um and of course very like um islamic content um for example there's MTA international the the broadcast station of the MDA muslim community uh, we have uh, voice of islam also on uh, social media platforms educating about various topics uh, we have the al hakam a newspaper al fazl newspaper review of religions so um at times i think you should try and concentrate on on these kind of uh, platforms so you can actually learn and educate yourself Uh, not just about the community itself but as various topics um uh, and and get to know yep. of course this is very important like is just not using social media is not enough you have to replace with someone something which is good yep. so if if uh, someone is just stop watching uh, the you know or using social media and it has a social media addiction <clears throat> excuse me so it is not it's not you know just necessary to stop it it also necessary to replace it with something which is better so yeah. in this case as you mentioned we have in our community 
you know, uh, MTA, which is the um, channel of Ahmadiyya Muslim community, where you can watch the Friday sermon of His Holiness Azam Azam Surah Ahmad and various kind of spiritual program which can enhance your spirituality and also religious knowledge and worldly knowledge. So it is very important <coughs> that you replace uh, with those addiction with something which is good. Yeah, and Imran, uh, addressing social media addiction, it requires a combination of both individual efforts and support from friends and family also. And balancing online engagement with offline activities, whether it's going out for a walk, exercising, mm-hmm. being living a healthy lifestyle, and fostering a positive digital culture are key to promoting the well-being of teens in today's digital age. So I just want to briefly just mention mm-hmm. a few strategies to manage social media yeah. use include um, setting yourself boundaries, mm-hmm. so limit the use of uh, how much you use social media, limiting notifications, you can at times turn off your notifications yeah. so you don't constantly see all your friends are messaging or mm-hmm. you'll have an update or, or anything. Um, seeking support, uh, we spoke to one of the uh, Interweb Internet Matters, Rachel mm-hmm. from, and she obviously told us that they you can visit their website That's for it. support and resources mm-hmm. on education uh, regarding social media. Uh, engaging in offline activities, Try create a hobby, hmm. right? Whether that's reading, whether that's uh, going for, out for a walk, going to the park, Sports, spending right? time with family, yeah. um, that can help hmm. you. Utilizing technology tools, using apps or features that track screen time, hmm. um, limit yourself that you can only use perhaps uh, an hour or two or so. Um, and uh, find activities you enjoy which do not use uh, social media. Yeah, and uh, as we previously mentioned, that uh, try a social media talks. Taking a break from social media can be beneficial in developing healthier habits and appreciating the value that comes from spend time away from your phone. And uh, find activities you enjoy uh, which you do not involve you know, social media. Finding a comfort uh, in activities outside of social media can help us become more in touch with ourselves, feeling less uh, you know, uh, less uh, relent on external uh, influences to find validation and uh, surer of what we want. So, yeah, ultimately, I think um, promoting a balanced approach to mm. social media use and uh, prioritizing real life, uh, you know, interaction and activities are essential for maintaining mental well-being in the digital age. Yeah, hey Imran, I want to quote uh, the words of the Caliph, the fifth Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmed, may Allah be his helper. And and they, it's, the quote is in relevance to what we were talking about, mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. what you use the internet for. Um, he states that media has brought us close to each other, but unfortunately, rather than bringing closer to virtues, ha- has brought closer in following Satan. In such circumstances, an Ahmadi should exceedingly keep an eye on our conditions. Allah the Exalted has bestowed on us MTA. Allah the Exalted has given us a website for spiritual and educational programs of Jamaat, i.e. community. If we turn most of our attention, only then our attention will be to this matter that take us near to God and be the one who are saved from Satan. This was address given in May 20, 2016. Yeah, so just quickly, um, for the conclusion, um, uh, in conclusion, the, social, the relationship between uh, social media and addiction is complex and multifaceted. While social media uh, platform, you know, often uh, offer numerous benefits such as uh, connectivity, information, and community building, they also pose a risk of addictive, you know, behavior due to their design features such as, you know, likes, notification, and scrolling. Uh, the addictive nature of social media is evident in 
uh, in the ways user can become, uh, you know, compulsively engaged, often at the expense of real world interaction. Um, addressing sh- social media addiction requires a comprehensive approach um, and that involves both individual and society as a whole. This includes, you know, promoting digital literacy and mindfulness practices among users, implementing responsible design principle by social media companies and fostering, uh, you know, positive environment that encourages healthy offline activities and uh, interpersonal relationship. Yep. And ultimately, finding a balance between utilizing the benefits of social media while mitigating its addictive potential is crucial, Imran, mm-hmm. for, for promoting well-being in the digital age. And by raising awareness, fostering responsible usage uh, and promoting a culture of modernization, we can harness the power of social media for positive outcomes rather than just the negatives itself, uh, while we also minimize its effects mm-hmm. on individuals and society. Um, so Imran, um, we spoke on an hour on mm. uh, the, uh, and obviously we can go on and on and on, um, because it's very important. Um, but uh, for now, I'd like to thank you for joining me as a co-presenter, and thank I would like you. to thank our producers for today's show, Zohra Mubashir and Aska Hina, and our from our tech team Armogan. And with that, I'll leave you with news.